0: It's the Score
1: North Twin Show. Ventline Edition, right here on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. Rami Makloff, Darren Doogie Wolfson. We got Brendan on the other side of the glass. And Seth is in the house streaming us live on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. 5-1 to the final out at Target Field tonight in Game 3 of the ALDS. And Doogie, the Yankees, complete the sweep and 16 straight playoff losses for the Minnesota Twins. Now 13 to the New York Yankees and uh, not what we were hoping or expecting from October and the Minnesota Twins.
2: I can't believe it, Rami. I didn't necessarily expect them to win this series. I understood why they were an underdog. But I really thought they would end the losing streak. I really did for them to get swept. I mean, if you want to call this embarrassing, I don't think you're out of line. I can't quite go there because I think this Yankees team at 103 victories has a chance to win it all. I think this is a great Yankees team. But when you are the first team in Major League Baseball history to win 100 games... And to get swept in the first round of the playoffs, there's something to be said about that. And to only score seven runs. And I think Mackie said today, this ties the Blackhawks. For the most it consecutive
1: does. postseason losses yeah, in major 75, American sports history? Yeah, 1975 to 1979, in Chicago Major Black American Ops. sports history? Yes. 651 646 8255 or tweet us live at Scornorth. Sorry, I interrupted some thought from you. No. There's probably going to be a lot of that me. tonight. It's <laughs> Let's <be real>. dejection. <laughs> right.
2: It's frustration. I'm telling you, it's embarrassment if you want to go there. I can't quite go there, but I can't necessarily offer resistance. If we get callers saying, this is downright embarrassing. Fine, I'm not going to argue with you, Rami. It's hard to argue with. It is the Yankees finished the series on a 23 to five scoring run. Wow. The Twins in this series three for 25 with runners in scoring position tonight. One for nine with runners in scoring position. Nine men left on base. Rami, much like Chad Green gave me nightmares for many months, going back a couple years, what he did in the one game playoff. I will have nightmares about that second inning tonight,
1: and that's when you, I've been—I've been one of the captains of the optimism Reigns team on the Score North AL Central Champions Twins show, live from Minnesota, the land of ten thousand rakes. I had a hard time hanging on to any optimism when they had bases loaded, nobody out, and failed to get one run across the plate. They said on the call on Fox Sports One an eighty-five percent chance. Of getting at least one run in that situation. You have an 85% chance of getting just one run in that situation. They walk away with nothing. Nothing. And then, whatever shred of hope I still had, Doogie, in the following half inning, J. Cave goes and makes just a, there's no other way to say this, I don't care if somebody is insulted, a stupid play. He, He had no business diving after that thing, even if he had a chance to catch it. Coming into this series, after watching what happened in the NL wildcard game, I sat here with Derek, and I said, if I'm Rocco Baldelli, I might show that to my players and say that's exactly the type of play we can't make. There's no need to be aggressive on defense on a play like that. None whatsoever. You are not going to win this game on that play. You are not going to win this game with your defense, and I know people are going to call up and say the defense was the difference in this series. It was not. The difference was that you didn't do what you did in the regular season, which was hit home runs. And the bullpen, I mean, you can't complain about what the bullpen did today, really. After Jake Rizzi gave you a solid start, your bullpen came out last four innings. They gave up three runs, two of those going to Sergio Romo an inning and a third. But I said when this series started, home runs and bullpen were what, gonna, were what was going to win this thing. And they didn't execute in either of those departments.
2: They did not. Now, you think about the bullpen. It's not in the bullpen, but Rodgers gave up a run, right? Romo, now May inherited some runners, but gave up a hit that led to a run. You think about Duffy in game two. So four of the Twins' best relievers, if not the top four, all gave up something in this series. On the Cave play, think about it. LeMayhew is the next batter up. Hits a tailor-made ground ball for a double play. Truthfully, it should have been one nothing after the top of the third. So yeah, I have no idea what Jake Cave was doing. You can certainly argue that Jake Cave should not even been in the lineup tonight. I know he had the hard-hit ball off the wall and right, but you can make a case that C.J. Crone should have been starting tonight at first. Marwin should have been in the outfield. I suppose now Rosario is their right fielder. I love the arm, so maybe he is their right fielder moving forward. So you could have made a case Why are you making four and a half Why hours Why are you ago. making
1: that change in October? Like it did not I mean, they rolled with their, you, their Game 2 but, lineup, right. but
2: I'm just saying... I think I would have gone back. My first guess was put Krohn back in there. And I was in the clubhouse yesterday. I mean, Krohn told me the thumb is really bothering him. And a lot of guys are dinged up. Like Mitch Garver was a shell of his former self. I just, I think the hip was bugging him. You know, so you can go up and down the list of guys dealing with stuff. Max Kepler looked like in this series a shell of his former self. But you think about that second inning. Bases loaded. Nobody out. Miguel Sano was ahead in the count. If you recall that at-bat, Rami, he had a couple pitches that I swear during the regular season he destroys and puts it up in the second or third deck. I don't know what happened in that at-bat. Ends up with the pop-up. Then Marwin Gonzalez strikes out. Jake Cave takes two called strikes. Ends up striking out. So, yeah, to not score one run there in the bottom of the second, was as deflating as it gets.
1: There is very small margin for error in the postseason. All these teams are very closely matched. I don't care that they got swept. These were two very closely matched teams. When you do things like load the bases with nobody out and fail to score any runs and then make a stupid play like Cave made in the following half inning, you've probably burned your margin for error in a game against this Yankees team. That I agree. Was, that was probably it right there. And then you think as far about as some of the defense
2: goes. that the Yankees played tonight, the Aaron Judge ball. Now, I'm not convinced that he's the only right fielder, like John Smoltz said on the telecast, that makes that play. play. I think Max Kepler, a healthy Max Kepler, makes that play. I think Mookie Betts for the Red Sox makes that play, but it was one heck of a play. The expected batting average of that ball, that was it, who hit it? Was it Sano? Yeah, it was Sano. The expected batting average of that ball was 700. So that was one heck of a play by judge you think about the Torres play where then Lemayhu scoops it you think about Gregorius here in the ninth you know grabbing that line drive the Yankees made a bunch of really good defensive plays tonight
1: oh yeah two by Glaber Torres and like I mean you just went over all of them but those two by Glaber Torres deep in the hole and probably both of them saved a run and but I what mean, a special player by the way Oh, man. He's only 22 years old. Yeah, that guy has a future. That guy has a future basically mm-hmm. in tonight. That guy has a few oh. MVPs probably in his, in his future, I would say. And then, guess. of course,
2: Gregorius, right? Yeah. Why 29 RBIs in his last 13 games so against the Twins. What did the Twins
1: do to D.D. Gregorius? What did they ever do to him? He's a free agent this winter. Let's all hope he ends up in the National League. Just anywhere where we don't have to see him next year. And please, or Twins fans, again. don't
2: call and say, hey, the Twins should sign Gregorius. It's
1: not a need.
2: <laughs> Spend the money on pitching. <laughs> they don't need Gregorius. He'll get a qualifying offer, so he you don't need to go hey, down that
1: road. If you can't beat him.
2: <laughs> I just—I guarantee somebody's thinking that right now. The Twins should sign D.D. Gregorius so he Did doesn't you? kick their ass. I didn't
1: realize. I'm not was, going down that road. I didn't realize he was 30 years old. Mm-hmm. He got old like out of nowhere. I—I I th- I feel like D.D. Gregorius just got to the league. How's he 30 years? And I know he didn't. It just seems like well, that, he had the run in Arizona, overnight. and he's yeah. had a
2: lot of big hits for the Yankees going back multiple years. Yeah. So yeah, you just—you have to hope if you're a Twins fan that D.D. ends up elsewhere and. It's the ultimate kick in the groin that it's the Yankees once again. Right? It's the Yankees and it's the way the series unfolded. This historically good offensive team only scores 7 runs. I
1: Amazing. mean seriously
2: like Amazing. Couldn't you accept this a little bit more if one of the games was I'm not suggesting 14 to 12 like we saw in one of the games in the regular season at Target Field, but like 11 to 9? You know, something even like an eight like to six. that yeah. eight to six. Yeah. You know, nothing, to score like two that. in one game, then one in another. And again, the run for the Yankees to finish the Ugh. series after the twins were up two to nothing in game one, the run was twenty three to five. The Yankees finished this series on a twenty three to five scoring run. They destroyed the twins. Absolutely destroyed them. These were non competitive games. I just, I expected a little bit more. I get it. Small sample size, all that. It doesn't take away from this unbelievable season. It really doesn't. The Twins' future
1: is incredibly bright. And you know what?
2: But they were embarrassed in this series. I was just gonna
1: say there's plenty of time to talk about that. I'll be back tomorrow at noon for a two hour score north AL Central Champions Twins show. Plenty of time to talk about what a great season it was and take whatever consolation we can from that. That ain't what I'm here for tonight, dude. <laughs> I'm I'm disappointed. I'm pissed off. I know I know you out there are pissed off. Six five one six four six-eight two five five or tweet us at SKOR North. We're also streaming live on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. MLB Stats just there shared this uh, sunshiny little tidbit with us. The Yankees are now 5-0 and in ALDS appearances versus the Twins. They're the only team to eliminate the same opponent from a division series more than three times. And they've done it five times. Nobody's done it more than three times. They've done it five to the Twins. No. Alright, let's get to some of these calls. Jeff in St. Louis Park. You're on the Score North Twins show Ventline Edition. What's up, man?
3: Uh, well, I am I guess we can be excited about the offseason, scene as how the Twins have a new owner in D.D. D. Gregorius. Maybe he can uh, <laughs> spend a little money and take a little pity on us in the offseason. Um, the first two games of this series, I was frustrated with uh, a lot of the pitching decisions, and everything just didn't work out for us, obviously. In this game, however, I think what just... Made me so frustrating was I still I thought the pitching at least showed up in this game. Mm-hmm. I, I do think they could have pitched Oderizzi for another inning. Agreed. but Rocco pulled him early for some reason. That was about the only decision that I really thought where I really questioned Rocco. But at least he brought in uh, Taylor Rogers, which I I like that move. But what's just so frustrating is that all these guys, all the hitters that we hope would show up. Max Kepler and I get it. he was dealing with an injury and it probably wasn't a good idea to go from him not playing at all to right away playing in a huge spot but he was just not there at all but what also was frustrating is just Nelson Cruz a a veteran who's been there before and you expect to come up big I mean for the last play of the season to be him watching a called third strike that's just frustrating and I just, I, if they if they get to another ALDS anytime soon, that I hope that they take away from this experience that they you've got to show up in big moments, particularly when you have runners in scoring position. Enough with the solo home runs, guy. You have to hit when guys are on base.
1: Jeff, thanks for
2: the call, man. We appreciate it. I hey. mean, I feel Jeff's pain. I mean, I agree with everything he said. I think Oda Rizzi should have been out there for another inning. But, yeah, you go to Taylor Rogers, which brings me back to Game 1, when in a one-run game. So Rogers comes in tonight in the sixth in a two-run game, going back to Game 1 on Friday, Cody Stashek. And I can't stress this enough. That was after Zach
1: Littell came into a tie game. Correct. Correct, in
2: but in a one-run game, a one-run game, Friday night in Game 1, five to 5-4 in the 6th, and they go with Cody Stashek, and I can't stress this enough, I think Stashek's future is really bright. I think there's a spot for him in the 2020 Twins bullpen, but pecking order-wise, give me, well, Romo, Rogers, Latell, Duffy, Gratterall, May. I mean, pecking order-wise, he would be 7th on my list, and you bring him in in game one, in a one-run game, and then all of a sudden tonight, you go to Taylor Rodgers in a two-run game, which was fine. Although, again, I would have brought Rizzi back out for another inning. But, I mean, what the heck? I mean, I just I don't understand. I know it's the easy second guess when doing a post-game call-in show, mm-hmm. you know, bullpen management. But, really, you look at it, and it just it
1: doesn't make sense. It doesn't make even... There's, there's no way to prove it, but I'm sure a lot of us, I don't know about you, Doogie, I know myself, I was at home going... Really, mm-hmm. Stashak, Latell, and when you're—I mean, when you're, when you're questioning it as it happens—that's not second guessing. No, it's not. That's but it's just it's even more. Baffling. I didn't have a microphone at the time, but I'm telling you, that's what I was thinking. I know. It just—it's more baffling tonight when you see weird baseball things that you can't explain. Outside of that. I know people, and we're going to take your calls at 651-646-8255. You can tweet us at Score North, And I've already seen some tweets along these lines. They're going to say, well, this was the Twins' offensive approach getting exposed. That is not what happened here. The problem for the Minnesota Twins was not that they hit home runs. The problem for the Minnesota Twins was that they stopped hitting home runs when the calendar turned to October. That's the problem. The, the way that they did it during the regular season very well could have worked in the postseason. They just went cold. And I do think a couple of guys, and this is no excuse because God knows the Yankees dealt with their own injuries this year. We're not healthy. We're not 100%. Garver and Kepler did not look themselves in this series. But mm-hmm. I have zero problem with the way that the Twins put this lineup together and approached offense in 2019. Totally fine with it.
2: Agree. Now, I actually thought the plight discipline tonight was a lot better. You think about games one and two. They abandoned their approach. 27 strikeouts between the first two games. A lot of swings on balls out of the strike zone. I thought plate discipline-wise, tonight was a
1: big-time improvement. And back laid off yeah, some really good pitches. Coming into the postseason, they had the second lowest strikeout rate of all the Major League Baseball postseason teams. The only team with a better strikeout rate than the Astros was the Twins. So spare me the they depended too much on the long ball. They strike out too much. That is not what happened here. They abandoned their approach for two games and then just had no answers in the third game. Is there
2: also something to be said about how good the
1: Yankees pitchers are? Yep. I mean, it's one thing in the regular
2: season when you're destroying the Royals pitchers and the White Sox pitchers and the Tigers pitchers to a large
1: extent. Absolutely. You got to give them their credit. Mm -hmm. You got to give them their due. There's a tweet here from... uh, and I don't know if you'll mean this tomorrow, Jesse. Uh, he says the Twins were a decent team in an awful division. The Twins were like 15 games below 500 against winning teams, and they somehow finished second.
2: No, well, they were five below. They were 32 and 37 against teams 500 or better. Now, the Yankees were 43 and 32 against teams 500 or better. So, I mean, if you looked at it that way, and the Yankees got to beat up on the Orioles and the Blue Jays and the American League East. But when you look at, during the regular season, record against teams 500 or better, the Yankees blew the Twins away. Let's go. maybe, off. you know, looking at that, maybe we shouldn't be all that shocked that it was 3-0 in
1: this series. Back out to the phone, 651-646-8255. Lamont in South Dakota. You're on the Score North Twins Show Ventline Edition. What's up, Lamont?
4: Hey, as Matthew Collard put it on Twitter, uh, you just you just hate to see it. Uh, yes, <laughs> I had the whole yes, thing lined up waiting to say but just at the end of the day it just felt like the twins were about two three players short even though we have all these records you know it just feels like you know making comparisons with the vikings you know where we feel i feel like we should put our money into the pitching where the vikings should put the money into like the offensive line i don't know i just feel like they're always putting the money not into the right place and again with all these records but i just always felt when we got the yankees lined up in the playoffs i was just Just terrified and what else scared of happened and I I feel too sick to talk.
1: (laughs) Appreciate the call.
2: Thanks for thank you, Lamont. (laughs) Thanks for calling
1: through your sickness.
2: I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, Britain leaves with an injury. And oh, by the way, here comes Araldus Chapman. Right? Yeah. Where they have weapons like that. But hey, they gave Adovino pretty good money. It's not like he was much of a factor in this series. Now he's a guy the twins maybe should have had some interest in. I know for a fact. It was minimal, maybe a phone call to the agent, but the Twins really didn't pursue Adam Adovino last January, but maybe they should have. But I'm just saying, I don't know. I mean, heck, they spent on the offense, right, with Nelson Cruz with Marwin Gonzalez. I mean, Jonathan Scope certainly had his moments, his bad moments too in the regular season with the bases loaded, but he had some good moments. And they had a historically good offensive season, right? Regular season-wise. This
1: offense was no fluke. Yeah, this was wasn't. no paper tiger. No. They should have added a starter at the trade deadline. And I'll, I'll admit, I was saying it would be nice if they did at the time. I said it would be nice if they did, but I didn't think it was an absolute necessity. Now, I also didn't see... I knew Martin. I knew there was some regression with Martin Perez, and we had already seen it start at that time. I didn't think he'd completely go down the tubes the way that he did. And nobody saw Michael Pineda getting suspended for a diuretic. I mean, no, no, but nobody, maybe they should have had... That. I
2: mean, this is the ultimate second guess, but maybe... The front office should have had the foresight that something was going to go wrong. You didn't necessarily know it would be Pineda having to serve this 60-game suspension, but that whether it was an injury, that something was going to happen to one of your starters. I just know that they were upset that the Blue Jays never circled back to them on Marcus Stroman. Now, it's entirely possible the Blue Jays love the prospects they got from the Mets. sure, But maybe it was on the Twins front office to make the Blue Jays an initial offer that was... Just about too good to be true that Toronto would have had to say yes. Maybe they should have been more uber aggressive in late July, acquiring some sort of starter. Stroman would have been the guy, though. Greinke was not waving his no trade. The Twins checked with Arizona. Zach Granke was not waving his no trade to
1: come to Minnesota. We talked about them abandoning their approach and in the batter's box in games one and two. Ultimate Twins fan brings up a good point, tweeting. At the two of us, do he says the Twins pitchers in games one and two seem to give up what made them successful. They were picking and pitching down in the zone, mm-hmm. trying to hit spots instead of going in and blowing guys away and being up in the zone. It's a head scratcher. And that's absolutely 100% true. They played right into the Yankees' hands in terms of the approach they want to take into pretty much every at bat through the first two games at Yankee Stadium.
2: Agree. Played although, right into their hands. You think about the Gregorius Grand Slam, Duffy was ahead. Was he had 02. I think he was ahead 02. And he just missed his spot. Duffy's been so good. And he just flat out missed his spot. Gregorius hits the Grand Slam. Some of the other guys that reached that inning. So Gregorius had the opportunity to hit with the bases loaded. The Twins were ahead in those counts, too. But yeah, I do think Ultimate Twins fan is somewhat on the right track there. I don't necessarily disagree. I'm just pointing out that there were times where the
1: Yankees had success and the Twins were ahead in the count. Let's go out to Coon Rapids and check in with Mike. Mike, you're on Score North. What's up, man?
5: Hey guys, how you doing tonight? <laughs> Been better. Doing all right, Mike.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah
5: well, yeah. another one of those seasons. Hey, I just have a couple things, you know, one uh, you know, you guys were just kind of talking about about, you know, all the pitching that they didn't really go after and I was talking to a guy um, you know, at work this week about it and, you know, we were sitting here going, you know, you know, why don't the Twins once in a while, you know, you know, give up a, you know, like a prospect or two and maybe one of the current players and you go after like a Syndergaard or you go after like a Max Scherzer type of player, kind of, kind of like, you know, Houston did a few years ago with Justin Verlander and because you never know if those prospects are actually going to work out. I mean, look how long it took Byron Buxton. Look how long it took Sano. Um, so. You sit there as a fan, and you're like, "Man, come on, guys, take a chance once in these times. We got, you know, we got a pretty good offensive team for next year. Let's take a little, you know, let's kind of roll the dice here, management. and Let's go, you know, get some people this year in the off season. Just kind of curious what your thoughts are on that." So.
2: well, I mean, ultimately, Mike, thanks for the phone call. Ultimately, the Mets did not trade Syndergaard. What we don't know is if the Twins offered Royce Lewis or Alex Kirilov, would the Mets have said yes? The reports are true. The Mets did want Byron Buxton. I would not, at the time, have done Buxton for Syndergaard. Now, looking back, if I had known that Byron Buxton, a few days later in Miami, would F up his shoulder and pretty much be done for the season, tried to come back briefly, but he was done, sure, yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. in that regard. Yeah, if I had known that, sure, I would have dealt Buxton for Syndergaard. I would revisit the Syndergaard talks this offseason, I said it on Saturday, I'll reiterate it now. I would give up Alex Kiriloff. I don't know if the Mets would say yes. Because it looks like the Mets are going for it next year. So they might say no. But right? I would offer, and I think Alex Kirilov has a really bright future. I thought I would have offered Lewis or Kirilov. But for yeah, right I would player. do that. Yeah, you might even be able to convince me on Lewis. So maybe it's one of them in a package for Syndergaard this winter. I just don't think Garrett Cole is coming here. You make the call. I just think he's a West Coast guy. I do. I hear a lot of speculation about the
1: Angels, and we know they throw around silly money. Yeah, and he went to UCLA. Yeah.
2: He's a California guy. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Would Bumgarner come here? Does Bumgarner even do anything for you? Ryu with the Dodgers, but do the Dodgers re-sign him? Zach Wheeler? Does Zach Wheeler do a lot for you? I think the Twins re-sign Jake Odorizzi. They make him a qualifying offer. But that's not going to be good enough. But I think they give him a four-year deal. I think Jake Odorizzi is back but you still need to do something else. I think it's more likely they go the trade route as opposed to giving Zach Wheeler something like $18 million a year. Zach Wheeler had a good year. Was Don't it get an, me wrong. Was it,
1: does he do that much for you? Was it an honest effort to get you Darvish? Or was that more They show? made him
2: a $100 million offer. In fact, the Twins front office is not necessarily on board with giving any free agent pitcher more than a four-year deal. They actually offered. My understanding is they offered Darvish five years. It took a lot for them to budge to get to that fifth year.
1: Right. And the Cubs come in and offer six years, blow the Twins' offer out of the water, and he ends up in Chicago. And I know for the first year of that contract, a lot of Twins fans are going, dodge that bullet. But if you look at what U Darvish did this year for the Cubs, that would have looked real nice in the mm-hmm. Twins' rotation. He would have been their game one starter. Absolutely. And that's the thing. When you sign a guy to a deal like that, if it's a five-year deal, I don't think you're expecting five great years from a guy. You're expecting, especially with a pitcher, Three, maybe four good years, you know you're going to run into some injuries. You know the league is going to catch up to him and he'll have to adjust to it and you hope he can re- have, a, have a resurgence after that. But that's what you're thinking when you sign a, an, an ace-like pitcher to a five- or a six-year deal. You're thinking three or four good years and deal with some injuries and probably some regression at some point in that contract. Can I bring up one more thing before we sure. get back to the Absolutely. callers on the
2: what if? You know, as we go down that road. There were three balls hit tonight that I was thinking... <laughs> Are these three balls home runs in games one and two? The cave ball that went to right off the wall, Gonzalez hit one that way, Mm -hmm. and then Rosario, I mean, Rosario, 100%. I mean, that ball he hit would have been a home run at Yankee Stadium. Just, you know, something interesting to think about. You know, then the Torres home run early, I mean, that's a home run by just a couple inches. You know, idiot fan reaches over the fence trying to mess with
1: that. What are you doing yeah, you know, just you, you Have think we about learned some of these Nothing things. from Bartman. Have we learned nothing from Bartman? <laughs> Let's go back to the phones and out in Lakeville is Sam, you're on the Score. North. And you're know, let me apologize.
2: I don't know that fan. <laughs> he might be great. That was an idiotic reaction moment. Yeah. He might be a great guy. Maybe he's listening right now, but
1: in that moment what the heck are you doing? Bad moment, dude. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Sam. You're on the Score North Twins show Vent Line Edition. What's up, buddy?
0: Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. Sure. Um I just want. I'm on my way home from the game right now, and I just want to touch up on a few topics that uh, I saw. And so we give up that home run to Glaber Torres, and happening later we got the bases loaded with no outs, and we can't even produce a run. So if we produce a run right there, that that changes the whole aspect and the whole attitude of that of our entire team. Mm-hmm. So we we get we get down and. Every single player on our team after we get out of that inning just looks like they don't even want to be there anymore. I mean, Kepler's out there. He's just, like, jogging after the ball in center field like we're playing in a travel baseball game. Like, it doesn't even matter. We're playing in the NLBS. And uh, we're uh, – Snow looks horrible. We can't, we can't produce any offense. We left, what, was it 11 people, 11 batters on base? Yeah, you know what I, I said nine, series. but
2: yeah, I guess there were some guys on there in the ninth. I stopped taking notes yeah, after the eighth, so
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. It would have uh, been eleven. I wouldn't, I wouldn't really count them just because, but uh, they count though. You're right. I but
2: right, uh, yeah. you're right, Sam. No, right. they count. I stopped taking notes. Thanks for the call, after Sam. After the eighth, it. so I had it at nine, but yeah, I think it's eleven, and maybe my numbers are off. I mean, I had it as. Three for 25 in this series with runners in scoring position. But I guess maybe with crew striking out there, there was a guy in second right at the end of the game. So was it even three for 26? Three for 25, three for 26. It still speaks to just the ineptitude in this three game sample size of their inability to hit with runners in scoring position. But yeah, I mean, I I understand, Rami, that there's a lot of people that left the ballpark that didn't hear our first 10 or 15 minutes. Sure. So let me reiterate this. I thought in the snow at bat with the bases loaded there, In the bottom of the second, he's ahead in the count. It's 2 1. I thought that 2 1 pitch, he should have destroyed. He missed it. He absolutely missed it. You know,
1: then even. That was a hanger.
2: Yeah, even the one he hit up in the air. I just. He had some hittable pitches in that at bat. How deflating was that? So he pops up. Then Marwin strikes out. J. Cave takes a called second strike, takes a called third strike. And my first guess was put Crone in tonight at first. Put Marwin in left field. Cave should not have
1: been in the lineup. There's a tweet here from Nick. He says, was the idea that we would hit 10 home runs a game? I feel like with guys on third base with less than two outs, all year we struggled to do the small things like hit hit sacrifice flies or bunt a guy over and in. The narrative seemed to be just go hit home runs. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Did the the Yankees Yankees bunt a lot during the regular season? Did the Astros? No. And by the way, the Twins didn't just hit home runs. They had the second highest slug percentage in the history of baseball by a thousandth of a point because they hit a lot of doubles, too. They hit the ball all around the ballpark and don't strike out a lot. I don't see how people can take issue with the offensive makeup of the Twins. Put it this way. Because of what happened in three games in October, when for 162 games, they were the most, one of the most prolific offenses in the history of baseball, juiced ball be damned. Sure, I mean, when you think about the history of the game, what offense typically
2: comes to mind, snap of the fingers? To me, it's the 27 Yankees, right? Sure. The 1927 Yankees. Murderer's row. Statistically speaking, if you match up, slugging percentage, some other categories... This Twins team was neck and neck with the 27 Yankees. And I get a different era, everything. I, I get all that. But I'm just saying, on the surface, that's the offense. That's the team you think of when citing, when right? Just You think about the greatest offense in the history of the game, the 27 Yankees. Also, by the way, if you look at the Astros this year, statistically speaking,
1: and the Yankees, they all match up. Twins, Yankees, Astros all match up with the 27 Yankees. I said earlier, like, this isn't the night for perspective. I'm not here to tell you what a great season it was, even though they lost tonight. But I, I do think that some perspective needs to be brought to it when we're talking about actual production. Not about how you feel, but when we talk about actual production, you need to remind yourself how random baseball is. And the way that they put together this offense was very good for 162 games. Don't think it doesn't work because it didn't for three Agree. <laughs> you but know, I know what I mean? <laughs> the slippery
2: slope is, though, yes, I'm with you on the randomness. But then how do you explain 16 consecutive playoff losses, right? Like, what are the chances you flip a coin? The baseball guy.
4: Ever in the biggest stadium they could possibly ever play, and then gave him such a long leash. And then also the fact that he starts to dominate game two. Odorizzi game three, so like basically Odorizzi's kind of done unless you somehow it's all hands on deck game five. I mean, so like take potentially your best pitcher, and he pitches one time, and he pitches at home where he would have been fine compared to the everyone else in uh, Yankee Stadium. I just don't understand how he ends up playing those three in such crucial spots. And then also my other one, one other thing is, were you surprised that Castro didn't play? didn't um, ever come in for Garver because Garver was absolutely terrible.
2: Yes, I did think Castro would get a start. Now, I said on Twitter a week ago that my hope was that Garver would be in the lineup every game. So I got what I was hoping for. What I didn't factor in was that I think Garver's hip was was bothering him. He just he didn't look right. But, yeah, I thought Castro would get a start. I thought Scope might get a start. You know, you see Paxton, the lefty in game one, arise. Yes, on the roster, but wondering about his ankle, I thought Scope might start Game 1. Then I thought, you know what? You know, after Arise looked a little off in Game 1, I thought, you know what? Scope, and you look at his career numbers against Tanaka, I thought Scope might start Game 2. So I thought Scope might get a start in this series. On the usage of of the pitchers, I understand the logic pulling Barrios in Game 1. You know, they didn't want him to face Judge and Encarnacion a third time. Me personally, after the way Barrios... Through in the fourth inning on Friday, yeah, I would have used Barrios to start the fifth inning. I probably got another inning, yeah. But Latell has been good. But I guess the second guess there is let Duffy start the fifth inning. Don't even bring in Latell, who I think Latell has a really bright future. But it's pretty obvious, pretty clear that 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 stage that night he was better on Saturday, but the stage on Friday scared the bleep out of him. You know. Then you think about Dobnek. I understand the logic there that Dobnak is a sinker ball thrower. He can induce ground balls. Odorizzi has also fly ball tendencies. You save him for the more spacious target field compared to the bam box in the Bronx. But sure, if you want to throw out there that Odorizzi was their best starter this year, led the rotation in ERA, strikeout rate, if you want to make the case that Jake Rizzi not pitching in game one or game two, if you want to do that, I can't really counter you. I just I understand the Twins' logic. Also on Dobnak, I would have started him or let him keep going on Saturday. Really. He got he got Stanton to hit into that double play in the first inning. I would have
1: let him face Stanton on Saturday. <laughs> I'm yeah. maybe the result is the same. I wouldn't have gone with Dobnak there in the first place. I agree with you 100%. I probably would have gone Barrios another inning if I'm pulling Barrios there. There's four, maybe five guys in that bullpen who I'm going to in the postseason in a close game, and Littell is not one of them. To me, got Littell and and Gibson and even Smeltzer to a degree, they were... Well, the, and Stashek,
2: right? I and, mean, and, and that's Stashek. the one. That's the ultimate one. Stashek in a one-run game on Friday in Game 1, that is the one that if we're listing questionable moves in these three games... That to me is number one using Cody Stashek in a five to four game in the sixth inning
1: on Friday. To me those are guys who are on the postseason roster in case you need them you know what I mean like if you had, if it's a blowout one way or the other and you just want somebody to eat up some innings if it's a 10, 11 12 inning game and 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 you're you're, you're getting to the I don't say this to be insulting, but the bottom of the barrel for me any game that's close, I'm going to Rogers, May, Romo, Duffy. Even Gratterol. like you, you have five, you have five or six guys who I'd go to before I went to Littell or 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 Smeltzer in that situation. I mean, Yankee Stadium is rocking. Smeltzer, rockin'. good by
2: the way. Yeah, <laughs> and no. Rogers
1: gave up a run tonight. I mean,
2: you know, the Twins' best relievers did give up some stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm, but I'm, giving, you I'm giving you my best shot. I'm giving
1: you my best shot in Game One of a series. No, that's fair. I and hear then you there. Mo- yeah. Mood point now, but I don't. What was their plan for Game Five? If, if 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 we got there after you you didn't burn Oderizzi till Game Three, what was the plan there? I
2: mean, I imagine the plan was Barrios. Okay, tomorrow. Okay, so if you win tomorrow, who starts Thursday? Yeah, Odorizzi's burned. I think you work backwards. I mean, seriously, Are we like going Taylor back to Rogers, at Yankee Stadium. No, I think Taylor Rogers. Well, I have no intel on this. I do think Barrios would have started tomorrow in three days rest. I think they would have worked backwards on Thursday. Literally all hands on deck, right? Rogers,
1: Romo, Duffy? Yeah, go
2: backwards. But I don't know. I really don't. I don't know what the heck the plan was for for Game 5.
1: Brendan, do we need to hit a break here? Are we due for a break here? All right, we will do that then. Uh, still time for your calls at 651-646-8255. You can keep tweeting the show at SKORNORTH. It's the score north. AL Central Champs Twins show. They get swept by the Yankees 5-1 the final out at Target Field tonight. Rami Makhlouf, Darren doogie Wolfson with you and back after this on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app. It's the Score North Twins Show Vent Line Edition on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app, 651-646-8255, where you can tweet us at Score North and uh, get it off your chest as they fall to the Yankees tonight. 5-1 to one the final to complete the sweep in the ALDS. We'll be with you for about another half hour. We'll try and squeeze in as many of your calls and your tweets as we can and uh, probably we'll be hearing from the ballpark from uh, Judd or uh, Derek Wetmore at some point between now and then. Doogie wanted to make one quick correction before uh, we go back out to the phones from somebody yeah, you, you said know before the break.
2: Yeah, Kudos to the Twins for in their post-game notes that they, Ran they did not. To not pull a bunch any of us punches. Reporters. Yeah, you I mean, were reading they, some of this
1: stuff to me during the break. They
2: laid it all out, but yeah, the one correction <laughs> I need to offer up is I mentioned in the first five minutes or so that the Twins are the first 100 win team to lose in the first round of the playoffs. I need to make a little tiny correction. They're the first 100 win team to lose in the divisional. To
1: get swept in the divisional.
2: Yes, to get swept. Excuse me. To get swept in the divisional round. If you go back to 1980, the royals swept the yankees 3 games to none in the american league championship series so different format back in 1980 so we just need to say that the twins are the first 100 win team in divisional series history to be swept but yeah i mean going up and down these notes i mean it's worth repeating cuz the audience is is ever changing yeah the twins did not hold back anything <laughs> Noting here in their postgame notes... I would have left all this out. Yes. That I would have twins, left all of this out. Yeah, with the loss, tied the Chicago Blackhawks, the 1975-1979 to 1979 Chicago Blackhawks of the NHL, for the longest postseason losing streak ever among the four major sports. So 16 consecutive playoff losses. Also, the Twins stranded six runners in scoring position, going one for 12 tonight. So I stopped taking notes after the eighth. It ended up being one for 12 for the series the twins went 3 for 28 with runners in scoring position but yeah also I'm telling you I mean the twins in these post game notes make mention of the 13 consecutive losses to the Yankees the 16 consecutive playoff losses overall Tying the Blackhawks. I mean, yeah, credit to the Twins. I mean, they're not holding anything back. You want me
1: to throw one more log on the fire? That is Minnesota sports misery. Yeah, go for Uh, it. Chad just sent me this screenshot from SportsCenter, and this is I think this is an old screenshot from back when the the Raptors won the NBA Finals. I didn't see this back then. The most combined consecutive seasons completed since the last championship appearance. So combining your Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, NFL, and NHL franchises together, Minneapolis... St. Paul has 103 combined seasons since their last championship appearance. And the next closest is where I came from, Milwaukee, with 73. Toronto was tied with Milwaukee before they brought home the NBA title. My comeback to that is as a basketball snob, thank you, Cheryl Reeve. Thank you, Minnesota
2: Lynx. But I understand it. If you want to cut it off for major, right, NHL, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, that's fine. Insane.
1: Let's go to uh, Scott and Eden Prairie, who's been waiting patiently. Thank you, Scott. Welcome to the show. What do you got?
6: I put a bulk of this blame on Felvian and Levine's desk. When, when you have a record-setting offense and you don't do one thing to support them with more pitching, I mean, come on, guys. Dubnack, we're starting an Uber driver in New York for a divisional playoff. Those first two games, we didn't even, <laughs> we were down so, so far, so early in the game, it, it was, it wasn't even, you know, it, 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 it set the stage. And, and I'm, I don't want to even, I'm tired of them saying, oh, well, Toronto wouldn't do this and, and Granky this. They could have found a starting pitcher somewhere, some way. Other teams did. They could have done it. They didn't. And, and as a result, we're trotting out there a bunch of AAA A guys and 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 such. And and I really believe that 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 uh, that's a big, big part of this.
2: Thanks for the call. Appreciate All right, it. Thank you, Scott. I mean sure. And Strowman's the one to circle, but yeah, Granke wasn't waving his no trade. There were starters that were not moved. Madison Bumgarner was not moved. Robbie Ray was not moved. I mean, I there was were a number of guys was that not, moved, were not A, a lot of names
1: were bouncing around the rumor mill that didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But a few did. And Dallas Keuchel was there for the taking. All he way was. Up, all the way up until what, late June? He didn't sign until he signed with the Braves?
2: And their interest in him was minimal. I mean, they were way more in on Kimbrell. I mean, they made Kimbrel a nice offer. They were willing to give Kimbrell two years, $31, 32000000 Right. So,
1: I mean, while I mean... It's not fair to point the blame at any one person. But yeah, I'm Falvey and Levine, I'm sure, probably would tell you themselves they share part of the blame. You you came up short. The organization as a whole came up short. The guys on the field didn't perform. We've taken issue with some of the things Rocco Baldelli did. You can take issue with Falvian and Levine for not adding a pitcher. I mean, you this is gonna this is one of those cliches, but you win as a team and you lose as a team. There's blame to go around. There's almost never one person to blame for things collapsing. That's the easy way to do it when you're doing what we do for a living or you call into a show like this, you want to point a finger at one guy and go, they're to blame, and that's the guy I'm angry at. And that's fine. That's what we're here for tonight. But I'm here to tell you, Falvey and Levine also did a lot of good things. They added over a 100 home runs in free agents last year on the cheap. More good than
2: bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, to play devil's advocate, because you're not guaranteed to be back in this position even next year. Even though, heading into next year, they will be the favorites in the American League Central. Who knows? Maybe the White Sox end up... Remember, the White Sox were in on Manny Machado. Maybe the White Sox spend stupid money this winter, end up with a bunch of guys. They have Giolito and others. Maybe a bunch of their young guys. Take a step up. Maybe the White Sox make a run next year. I mean, they were. In Who on, knows
1: with the Indians? They were in on the Manny Machado bidding. They were all exactly the, way to the end, so
2: they're willing to spend. They are. So you're not guaranteed anything. But is it possible that Falvey and Levine looked at the landscape and said, "Can we beat the Yankees and the Astros? Look at those two teams. Does it make sense to give up the farm? When we're still going to be in Oh, underdog? I would take
1: issue with that mentality. If that was the mentality, that stopped the. I don't know every... if that's the mentality. I'm no, throwing I know. it I'm out for saying. talk radio fodder. That would that that would piss me off.
2: I'm with you because you're just you're not guaranteed to be back in this position. Right. So when you're in this position and you've got the prospect pool they have,
1: sure, they should have been more aggressive. Tweet from Tate: Not a chance in this series. Power hitting luck ran out. It wasn't luck. Twins managed scared. There might be a little bit of that. And the fact we all knew that pitching was the issue and they did virtually nothing doomed them from the start. Injuries are not a valid point. Postseason more important than records.
2: I mean, the weird thing is on July 31st, we all said you need a reliever. In fact, you need multiple relievers. They did end up acquiring in late July multiple relievers. None of us foresaw Sam Dyson having the issues he had But I firmly believe on July 31st, outside of maybe Shane Green going from the Tigers to the Braves, the Twins added the best reliever. We just, we had no idea he was damaged goods, right? But at the time, I don't remember a whole lot of dialogue about the Twins absolutely need to add a starter. There was some Syndergaard dialogue, I get that. But I recall at the time, it was a lot of reliever, 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 not necessarily starter. I'm just saying when your Falvey and Levine have the foresight that Maybe something inevitably was going to happen to one of your starters. It ended up being Pineda, who probably, if he doesn't get suspended, starts Game 1, right? Wasn't Pineda in line to start Game 1? Probably. But maybe they should have had the foresight that whether it was an injury or a suspension, whatever, that something was going to happen, more likely an injury. I mean, who foresees a suspension, but... Maybe they should have had the foresight that something was going
1: to happen to one of their starters that they should have added a starter. I don't have the power to go out and make a move. I know that would shock many listening to this show. But uh, I will own it as a guy who comes on the air and has takes and opinions. And I said, getting a starter would be nice. Mm -hmm. You never don't want to improve your starting rotation. Mm -hmm. But I didn't think it was an absolute necessity at the time. after, After Martin Perez took a turn for the dramatically worse, and Michael Padilla gets busted for diuretics, it looks like they could have used another starter in this series. That, so I'll, I'll own that one. I'll wear that. Let's go to Sam down to my old stomping grounds of Milwaukee or on the Score North Twins Show Vent Line Edition. What's up, Sammy? Hey, guys.
4: Thanks hey. for taking the call. Um, after game one and two, I was frustrated. I You know, the questionable pitching choices, the bad at-bats, all of that stuff, frustrated. Going into tonight, I said, just give us a win, right? Stay alive. Give us a shot. You know, don't let us set that playoff loss record. Mm-hmm. And I feel like tonight, the baseball gods just gave us a giant middle finger. Like, we had balls off the wall that were singles. You had runners left on base. The base is loaded debacle that you were talking about. Sano takes two steps to his left, and Gardner hits a RBI right where he was mm-hmm. in the pitch before. Right, he
2: shifted right, right before that pitch.
4: Yeah, like I all forgot of that all about stuff. That. You have mm-hmm. Yankees getting one run innings, and you're like, "Hey, maybe we can just hang a crooked one on them." And then you have Jake Cave, Jake caving it up in the outfield, and then to top it all off, top of the ninth, you have a little bit of hope, right? And You got some guys on base. Polanco gets robbed. Mm-hmm. We hit the ball. We hit the balls on the screws all night. Got robbed, mm-hmm. and then the last thing, your best hitter, Boomstick, arguably. The MVP of the season for you, arguably, strikes out looking to end it, and it's just depressing, guys. It's going to be. It was a fun year. I loved all the stuff you did. It was a wild ride, but man, it's just tough to get over the way that this one ended.
2: Appreciate the call, Sam. That's a great call by Sam. Yeah, I mean, I'm with him on all that. I don't. I don't know about the baseball guys. I mean, I'm telling you, Sano. Oh, I believe. But in the bases loaded guys. and no outs had a couple. I'm just saying. I think he crushes that two-one pitch more often than not.
1: So I don't know what the heck happened. I believe tonight. in baseball gods, but what did what did Minnesota do to them to make the, to, to, to 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 reap the wrath of the baseball gods? What what do we do in this city? I'm trying to think. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they didn't trade
2: Babe Ruth. There is no GOAT. I mean, there was a threat many, many years ago about moving. There is that. There was many, many years ago. Chris Clouser had this idea about a portable stadium, which might have been one of the dumbest things I've ever heard, but that's not worth cursing a franchise for. I don't know. Maybe I need to sleep on that. I'm running on fumes right now. There might be something I'm forgetting.
1: Hang with us for like 20 more minutes, dude. <laughs> we're all going go, yeah, to We're all going to go get some sleep. Let's go to Sam in Lakeville. You're on Score North. What's up, Sam? What's up, guys? Thanks for taking my call. What's up, sure, right? Sam?
5: So, the the most depressing thing about this to me is I've been looking forward to this for I don't know how long. You know, Twins were legit all year. October baseball. The beauty of October baseball is, you know, it's intense, it's exciting, there's energy in the building. And this whole series, I got none of that from this team. None of these games are close. I saw no energy from this team. And I don't know if that's, you know, the culture of the team, I don't know if there's a problem there, you know, Rocco Baldelli, the nap room and all that. But uh, as I'm sitting here on hold, I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I see Baldelli in a press conference. And he's sitting there and he says he's not frustrated at all. So. He's either a liar or he's a loser for saying that one. And this is a, that's just pathetic. I mean, the the whole series was pathetic. And you know, I feel cheated for looking forward to this all year, and this is the product I get. Thanks for taking my call.
1: Appreciate it. This, all right, thank you, sir. This was the full quote from Rocco Baldelli. Uh, he says, "I do not sit here frustrated at all. I am extremely happy and extremely proud of everything that we just went through over the course of this season."
2: I think that's a quote or a soundbite you utter. When you do a season wrap-up, yeah, I, I don't, don't think they do it tomorrow, but whether it's Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, presumably Baldelli, Falvey, Levine will meet with us in the local media to wrap up the season. If you want to say some of that that day, but yeah, tonight, to say you're not frustrated, I understand where Sam's coming from. Now, I can't call Rocco a loser. I just think that's just Rocco's mentality overall, right? I mean, just being around him enough. He's as laid back an individual, right? To attend over thirty fish concerts, you better be pretty laid back, (laughs) you know. And and I just—that's just—that's who he is. But I don't think you say that tonight. You need to express
1: some level of frustration. Yeah, I mean. I don't tell anybody how to feel. We're all people. We mm-hmm. all process feelings in different ways. But like I said when I opened the show, I got a two-hour Twins show tomorrow. Maybe by then I'll be in the mood for perspective. And I'll say, you know what? Good season, guys. They came up short. Let's start thinking about what they got to do for next year to get better and make sure this doesn't happen again. Tonight, I'm I'm not here for perspective. I'm not here for looking back and finding the silver lining in the cloud of the 2019 Twins. I don't... I, that's not what I'm here for. I don't hold it against Rocco for having that perspective, but that's not, that's not what I'm here for, and that's obviously not what Sam is here for. I mean,
2: just say, when you score two runs in one game and one run in another game, it's okay to say, yes, I'm frustrated. Three for 28 with runners in scoring position, yes. With this historically good offense, yes, it's okay to express some frustration to say, you know what? I expected a little bit more. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: And he's right about the fact that they didn't give you anything in this series. Like if like you sat there for f- what, 5, 6 days in between games you were like, "Man, playoff baseball here we go." And it was just 3 games of the Yankees beating you over the head. Like there I mean, I can't th- the Polanco home run. I think that might be the only time where I was like, "Yeah, here we go. It's October and here are the Twins." Maybe the Cruz home run so they yeah, go up No, you're right. They the, go up the 2-0 two zero yes.
2: in game one. But then from that point on, the Twins are outscored twenty-three to five. The Yankees finished the series outscoring the Twins twenty-three to five. That's called being non competitive. It would have been easier to accept if the Twins had lost competitive games. They lost non competitive games.
1: 23-5. to five. Let's go to Tim in St. Paul. You're on the Score North Twins show, Ventline Edition. What's up?
7: Hey, guys. Hey. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I, I think you pretty much covered most of my frustrations with the uh, rookie managing um, decisions that Rocco made with the pitching staff. And so um, I guess the comment I want to make is I feel like Jake Cave today
2: well I mean he wasn't even on the roster.
7: Right, I so know. So unfortunately
2: but... Tim, I mean he wasn't even eligible to go into the game tonight.
7: No, that's what I mean. I I'm, I'm kind of wondering why he wasn't on the roster. Because they you know they've he could have uh been the backup catcher, he could have played infield, outfield, whatever. And um why he wasn't on the roster and then they have have guys like Castro and um Adrianza and Scope that basically just sat and did nothing the whole series, I feel like at least uh Ostadio really could have made an impact.
2: I think that's fair, Tim. That's fine. I mean, heck, Andreanza missed, what, the final 10, 11, 12 days of the regular season with that oblique injury? Yeah. So was he even anywhere close to 100%? So sure, absolutely. Ostadio over Andre yeah. Yeah, you got me there, Tim. Sure, I don't know if it matters. I didn't, I didn't see
4: why. Yeah, Cro- you got me.
1: I didn't see why Crone was on this roster. That was the, when when we well, first. Well, he saw, should have started. I think he should have started tonight. I don't. I mean, with he the, had the single tonight. I just with that, the thumb. Yeah. The only the only thing Crone brings to this team is power. At this point, point. and with the thumb, he just didn't have the power. I was I thought Estadio should have been on instead of Crone. I like his defense.
2: We didn't see it in Game One, right? That's a play he has to make in Game One, right? On that double play, low throw by a rise, but Crone should have made the play. But I think overall, I like Crone's defense. I'm just telling you, my first guess tonight was put Crone back in, put Marwin and left, Jake Cave on the bench.
1: Let's get in uh, one more call here. It's going to be Dave in Hastings. here on the Score North Twins Show Ventline Edition. What's up?
5: Hey, guys. Uh, two quick points. Uh, one, I think I disagree with you, Doogie, on the starting pitching thing because when the uh, trade deadline was coming around, uh Oderizzi, uh Mart prez and even Barrios were really struggling at that point and uh they they were in desperate need of looking at starting pitching and looking at with Keikel I'll never understand that for the life of me if if you're right and they truly had little interest in him that makes no sense to me when it would have cost you no prospects and the fact that he's going to be a a post-season veteran that could have really helped someone like Brios. that That's mind-boggling to me. <clears throat> and the other point I had was on Kepler. Uh, nothing against Kepler, but I, I really didn't understand this at all. He had the whole last month off, and no one knew when he was going to come back, and they kept waiting and waiting. They didn't play him in that last series at all in Kansas City, and then he makes the post-season roster and starts and goes hitless, in the, and looked overmatched in the entire series. That bothered me, but what also bothered me is what, what is the obsession with keeping him in the leadoff spot? If he's, not, if he's damaged goods, he's coming in, and you haven't seen him play in a month, why not keep her rise in that leadoff spot who's been a spark plug and been fantastic? I just don't understand that.
2: Dave, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Fair points. I mean, after the way Kepler looked on Saturday, yes, you could have made a case why put him in the leadoff spot. I was okay, right? He was so good during the regular season. Mm -hmm. That's one where you have some dialogue with him. He says, hey, my shoulder feels okay, my back feels okay. Maybe not 100%, but he was so good during the regular season, it would have been tough for me to leave him off the divisional series roster. And once you put him on the roster – I think even after, what, about 14 days out of the lineup, whatever it was, give or take, I think he had to roll the dice and just say, you know what, he had so much with us getting to
1: this point, let's just see. And I think, I mean, the answer to both those questions of why is he on the roster and why is he leading off is, what are your other options? He brings up Arise. Arise wasn't, they weren't even sure if he was going to be healthy enough to be on this roster. He was hobbling around. We saw him in game one. But maybe tonight. The way he swung the yeah. bat, a couple doubles on Saturday, you could have made the case that Arai should have let off tonight. I mean, if Byron Buxton is healthy, maybe you don't press the issue with Max Kepler. But he's he's not. You were so shorthanded and so beat up. You had to just run with what you got. And Kepler was good enough to go. Was he the Max Kepler that we saw for a good part of the season? No, but that was that was the best you had at that point. I mean, they just ran out of gas. They just they just ran out of gas. And I, I won't use injuries as an excuse. The Yankees dealt with their own injuries. But this thing just ran out of gas here. And it happened really, really fast.
2: Yeah, I mean, they ran Three out of games. gas. But just really hard to explain the futility with runners in scoring position to score two runs in one game, one run in another. Now, when Dave brings up Dallas Keuchel, sure, they had dialogue with his agent, Scott Boros. They made the phone call. They inquired. But my understanding is and it looks like they were wrong on this, but you know, they were looking at all the numbers, crunching everything and they just came to the determination that he just wasn't worth 13 14 15 million dollars a year. That they just thought, I don't know. They thought there would be some regression there, not a great strikeout pitcher. Now they were wrong. Keichel was fantastic, I think.
1: Yeah, he was really the good for
2: the Braves. They just they looked still at it wrong, really but I'm just telling the you, they analyzed Keuchel. You know, going back to even February, March, April, May, still sitting out there. They talked to Scott Boros, but they came to the determination that they just didn't think there was a whole lot there, maybe something, but they were reluctant to give
1: him fifteen million dollars. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's not my money, but I mean, at that at that point in the season, because of what we've brought up a couple times, which is that. You don't know how many cracks you're going to get at this thing, how many times you're going to get to October for your shot at a World Series. With him willing to take this one-year prorated deal, what was there to lose other than – the money. Well, yeah, I mean, not even a draft pick. <laughs> Again, I mean, at that easy, point. Easy for me to say. But yeah, what when was, he signed, he was past the It was past the draft. So yeah.
2: you would not have even lost a draft pick. So. It's not like
1: you were handcuffing yourself for years down the road if you went out and got Keichel. Kimberly, I, I get why you didn't want to go the extra year there because when you're in a market like Minnesota, you have to consider that you, you almost can't afford to have bad contracts on on your payroll two, three, four years down the line. But with Keichel... It was a one-year prorated deal, and if it didn't work out, cut bait with them after this season. What did you lose other than $14 million?
2: I mean, heck, you look at their payroll commitment for the next few years, it's minimal. And you think about hitting in the next year, Addison Reed off the books. Remember him? Yeah. Blake Parker off the books. I think they were still paying Phil Hughes this year. He's off the books. I mean, they have, if they want to, all sorts of money to spend. Right, I mean, they spend about 50%, 51% of what they bring in. So if you look at that money, they have a ton. Because you think about Scope coming off the books, Kyle Gibson coming off the books. I think they end up re-signing Odorizzi, but he's a free agent. You know, you look at some of the money that's being freed up this winter, they will have a ton of money to spend. So the counterpoint is, on Kimbrel, they could have gone to a third year. Now, heck... He stunk. I mean, you know this as as a Cubs fan. Mm -hmm. He absolutely stunk. I mean, Tyler Duffy for the last two and a half months was better than Craig Kimbrell. Much better. You know, and who knows if Duffy gets those opportunities if you have Kimbrell here. So it could have backfired. But they did have the money if they wanted to go to a third year on Kimbrell. Also on Dave's point about, you look at late July, he's right. At the time, Odorizzi some hiccups, Barrio some hiccups, Perez hiccups, so, sure, at the time, if you thought the Twins absolutely should have added a starter
1: on July 31st, I understand where you're coming from. By the way, this is classic sports radio, so I can guessing now, because some of the decisions I said before, I was questioning when they did them. I've already said twice now, I'll say it for a third time. I was saying at that time, you don't really need a starter. It'd be good to get one, <laughs> but you don't really need one. Now I'm sitting here going, what did you have to lose not getting Dallas Keuchel? Uh, but I think that's what tonight was for. Tonight was not for reason or logic or consistent takes. Tonight was for venting. That's why it's the vent line. I, I, I got some stuff off my chest. Do you get some stuff off your chest? You feeling a little bit better? I'm feeling a little bit better, but I really thought they would find a way to win at least one put game. Put up some kind of fight.
2: Just to end... The losing streak. I really didn't think we'd be sitting here at almost 1 a.m., you know, as it flips from October 7th to October 8th, talking about the twins' season ending. Maybe October 10th, maybe later on on October 8th, but not right now. So it's just, it's surprising to me, it's frustrating. It's dejecting. It's everything you want to say it is. Thanks
1: to everybody who tuned in. All your tweets, all your calls. And thanks for watching us, streaming live on Twitter, Twitch, and Facebook. Two hours, Score North, AL Central Champions Twins Show. Tomorrow at noon on 1500scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app.